Hey everybody, this is Chris. Welcome to episode number 5 of Chris's on Infinite Earths here at the Chris and Reggie channel. You can find this program every other Wednesday at chrisandreggie.podbean.com and also via all them podcast aggregators that aggregate podcasts. You can find us uh, pretty easily uh, several shows a week, uh, this one once every other week. Now today we're going to be discussing a book that uh, Reggie and I had already discussed actually, uh, this is uh, Superman, The Man of Steel, number 18, from 1992. We discussed this during our Death and Return of Superman series that took place during Cosmic Treadmill, episodes 63 through 66. Those originally aired November 5th through November 26, 2017, and are available in the archives, uh, weirdcomicshistory.blogspot.com, or, you know, any of those podcast aggregators should be able to find it pretty easily. <laughs> So why are we discussing this issue again? Well, uh, this is our uh, Thanksgiving special that uh, just happened to come out uh, about a week after Thanksgiving. It's uh, just the way the schedule's worked out this year. Um, this book uh, really changed the way I, uh, I, I see Thanksgiving, uh, which is kind of weird to say because uh, it, it doesn't have anything to do with Thanksgiving, first of all. Uh, and second, it didn't, uh, <laughs> it didn't even come out in November. But it did lead to a story that, uh, or an event that that did come out in November. And uh, whenever I think about Thanksgiving, uh, the the death of Superman is one of the first things to pop into my mind. Um, you know, after after family and and all that stuff, of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you you forgive me, this one uh, I was gonna say this one's gonna be a little self indulgent, but that's kind of par for the course for this show. Uh, what started out as like a quick and easy way to repurpose old blog posts turned into like these mini introspective therapy sessions and uh i'm having a good time doing it i i don't know how how fun it is for uh, the listener but uh it, it does add a a little bit of a shift of a like a perspective uh for the books that i'm discussing here uh during our little visits uh at the risk of going on a tangent uh when I review books on the blog, I try to get myself into the gestalt. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I do things like put ads in there, sure. You know, that's for the reader's benefit to kind of feel where we were at that point. But uh, for me, if it's a book when from when I was a kid, I, I kind of think about, you know, where I was, how I was, how I received it. Um, if I received it, I mean, it, a lot of books I didn't collect until I was an adult. But uh, I try to really get myself into the place here and uh my blog posts turn into sort of half-hearted introspective looks at where where i was personally and now in doing this this show uh that that you know feeds off of that blog it's almost like i've got a second a touchstone you know instead of just looking back to where i was when i first read a book or when i first bought a book now i'm also looking back at like where I was when I first wrote about it, which adds a whole other element. Um, it, it's really hard to explain, but it uh, it just makes some of these books feel like so much more because I'm I'm experiencing my experience with them all over again. If that makes any sense, or if I'm just being a little <laughs> a little too precious for my own good here. Uh, now, what's so special about Man of Steel number eighteen? Well. Me, like I would assume a lot of other folks, or, or a handful of other folks at least, this was my very first Superman comic book. And uh, it's not hard to see why. Uh, it is the first part of Doomsday, which uh, 
we all found out about, or a lot of us found out about, uh, through uh, New York Newsday uh, back, I believe, in the late summer of 1992. And uh, if, if you listen to our uh, Death of Superman series here, uh, I'm sure I mentioned this, but I was, I was actually a paper boy for New York Newsday. And I delivered that very newspaper. Um, I remember, uh, <laughs> you know, opening the bundle of papers and then on the bottom half of the front cover, it was a uh, blurb that said, uh, uh, Great Caesar's Ghost, They Killed Superman. And uh, it was a picture of Superman fighting the fellow we'd know, uh, we'd come to know as Doomsday. And, uh, you know, like any responsible uh, pa- newspaper delivery man, I... Uh, I hopped on my bike and ran the ran a copy around the neighborhood to all my friends to <laughs> tell them what was going on. It was uh, it was weird. It was it was like privileged information because you know there was really no internet back in 1992, or at least not the way we think of internet now. But uh, the information just wasn't out there, so uh, I was literally like the world's lamest Paul Revere, you know, going around town or my little corner of town to tell my friends what was going on and. Uh, after that, we, I, 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 me and a buddy of mine, we hastily delivered to, to my 80 to 100 subscribers, just dropping the papers off just as quick as we could in order to get into the next town over. And, uh, well, actually, my, my route was in the next town over, town over. It was in Sayville, and that's where our local comic shop was, too. And uh, we rushed in there uh, with a copy of the paper and asked him, asked the fellow there all about it, and he didn't have all that much more information than uh, than we did, uh, though he seemed to know around when it would be coming out. Um, I'm not sure if uh, we had dates or how many parts yet. I really can't remember because I, I try as I might, I, I've looked all over uh, throughout my garage. Every time we move, I check my garage to see if I could find that copy of the of New York Newsday, because uh, if anybody's seen pictures of my collection and. Uh, the things that I like to call ephemera, but things that most people would think as garbage, you know, like copies of comic shop news and uh, old previews catalogs. People would think those are just, you know, fire hazards and garbage. But to me, it's ephemera. Uh, I can't find it. I, I guess it just, uh, I think we've probably moved, or I've probably moved about a dozen times since then. So, and uh, it just didn't make it one of the times. Uh it's funny, every time I look, I, I come across newspaper clippings from the 1986 New York Mets season. And I always think I'm headed in the right direction, but the uh, <laughs> the Newsday uh, with Superman's death, just uh, it just doesn't seem to be, uh, be anywhere anymore. Uh, I've checked the Newsday website, too, and can't find it there either. Now, our local comic shop, he... Uh, he had uh, a deal where, you know, you'd pre-order everything, you'd prepay, and I think there was like a, like, there was an extra charge on top of it, like five or ten bucks, where, or it might even been twenty, I'm not sure, but uh, you'd pay up front for all the issues, this is of course after everything was announced, and uh, you would pay up front and you'd be guaranteed copies of every single book. Uh, it might be hard to wrap your head around nowadays, where uh, if you're a uh, you know, 21st century comic fan, you're probably more accustomed to the the shop giving you a discount if you have a hold box. But uh, back during the heyday of the speculation era, you that was a privilege you paid for, at least at the shops around my house. Uh, you would pay an annual or a monthly fee, and they would put the books aside because they were selling out. I mean, you, uh, you couldn't find certain books. Uh, 
I've told stories before about, you know, times I've gone on release day and the books were just not there because because I had the nerve to go to school that day. <laughs> and somebody came in with a boatload of money during their lunch hour and, and bought up every copy of a particular book. So with the death of Superman, um, some say it was the death knell of the speculation, but boy, if it wasn't a spike up before the death knell came, uh, so many people were interested in this. Uh, uh, in my family, I, you know, I was known as you know the, the kid who reads comics, so I had family members asking me about Doomsday, and I didn't have any answer because I never read Superman, <laughs> you know? But uh, it just was out there in the ether. It was a mainstream thing, and... Uh, you know, I I, uh, I wanted to know more about it, but uh, I, I was an X-Men fan, and uh, that's kind of where all my money was going. Uh, I should go back a little bit here. Uh, like I said, I was a paper boy, but this was at the very tail end of there actually being paper boys. You know, the, 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 the kids who would get home from school, hop on a bike, and deliver their papers, or, you know, do whatever and then deliver the papers. They preferred, or it just shifted to adults delivering the papers, you know, at the crack of dawn, you know, that before they go into a day job or instead of their day job, they would deliver papers. Uh, this way, the customers would actually have the paper before the, old, the news was old, you know, more or less. Now, this left me at a disadvantage because I could no longer afford any of these comics. Uh, the, uh, my main comic passion at the time was the X-Men. And I could barely afford that. Uh, I collected two books, and uh, they were a dollar twenty-five each. So I needed two dollars and fifty cents a month <laughs> to get my X-Men fix, and uh, and now I couldn't. Um, things were a little lean at the house at this time. Uh, I wasn't getting lunch money that I could, you know, smuggle or <laughs> or or you know just use as comic money anymore. Uh, it was just, you know, just a little bit of lean times there. And unfortunately, I was only 12 years old, so I couldn't, I couldn't work, you know, legally. <laughs> uh, you needed to be, I think it was 14 in order to get your working papers in New York. And uh, I still had a little time to wait. And uh, so I had really, I, this is something I lost sleep over. Just I wanted to collect this Superman story. And be able to maintain my the two X-Men books I bought. Then on top of that, the X-Men had a crossover around the same time. I might be mixing up my dates here, but I remember it being right around the same time as the death of Superman. This would be the Executioner's Song. And that included four books. That was X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, X-Force, and X-Factor. And what's more, they all came polybagged with a trading card, which hiked the price up to $1.50. Which doesn't sound like much, but when, you know, when you're digging through a couch for change to, to buy your comics, a, a quarter, it, it could be a make or break when you're, when you're a kid, you know? And uh, so I needed to find a way to make some money. And <laughs> we, we did the, you know, we did the thing where, I should say, my buddy was able to procure the money to get the, uh, to get the subscription. His folks, uh, his folks gave him the money. And he paid up front for the entire run of The Death of Superman, as well as Funeral for a Friend. Uh, and I wasn't able to, and it wasn't that of any kind of, you know, standing or moral whatever. It was just because I didn't have the money. So he didn't really have to worry about it like I did. 
but uh, he came along with me looking for odd jobs just the same. Uh, we literally went door to door uh, to businesses looking for anything to do, whether it was cleaning windows, cleaning restrooms, sweeping up hair in a barbershop, anything we could do to make a little bit of money. And uh, we spent days, weeks doing this, and uh, didn't really get anywhere. Nobody, <laughs> what, what, you know, what do you know? A business owner doesn't want some kid screwing around in their place of business. Uh, but eventually, uh, we went to a TCBY. I can't believe it's yogurt. And uh, we, uh, we saw a stack of flyers on the counter, and uh, we asked if he wanted us to pass them out. And he said, yeah, and it was like a ream or maybe a half ream. It was a big, big stack. And we had to fold them all in half and we had to uh, deliver them around town. We just went door to door, putting them in mailboxes, putting them under uh, windshield wipers. It was, uh, it was more work than anybody should do for, uh, to split a $5 bill. Cause that's a, <laughs> that's what we got paid for it. Uh, we finished several hours later. And he handed us a $5 bill we had to split. <laughs> it was uh, not not the greatest of, of times. And uh, my buddy, not really needing this uh, extra money, didn't, uh, didn't really stick along with me for this. Uh, but I kept at it. I kept uh, looking at all the shops, trying to find something to do. And uh, this kept me busy throughout, uh, throughout the fall, basically. And... Uh, and it was for, it's funny thinking back to it now because it was for so little money. <laughs> it was, uh, the, uh, the threshold for pass and fail was just, it was just so low, but it was, uh, it basically took over my, my little, you know, 12 year old world at this point because I needed to find out what happened to Superman and I needed to, uh, I needed to find out what happened with the X-Men. I needed to keep up with both of these, uh, storylines and, uh, my last day working, uh, quote unquote, was a. Uh, it was for let's see, it was a. Uh, it was the night before Thanksgiving, and uh, I was delivering flyers for a butcher shop that actually sponsored my uh, little league team a few years before that. Uh, it was Stork's Meat Market on uh, on Montauk Highway, and uh, it was another thing where it was a stack of flyers and. I had to deliver these things into into the night uh, because I, I needed to get it done. And uh, going through apartment complexes, and it was, like, bitterly cold. It was, uh, you know, the end of November in New York. It was very cold, uh, and uh, it was dark, and it was just such a weird, weird day. And uh, this is where it gets to me. I remember walking home. My house was, like, kind of like on a T-intersection. And, you know, if you're walking down the street uh, perpendicular, I guess, to it, you're, you're walking basically straight at my house. And uh, I remember walking towards the house at the all done, had all the money I needed to finish both the storylines into the funeral for a friend, all that good stuff. And uh, the, the street was very dark except for my house. My house had lights on and there were extra cars in the driveway. You know, it was a... Uh, it was this, and this feeling of just, uh, at the risk of being completely precious, uh, it's just this feeling of warmth filled me, you know. It was family was there, it was Thanksgiving, it was just, it was magic, you know. It was just such a great feeling, and, and just 
the feeling of achievement from earning this money through such weird means. Plus, you know, the feeling of family being there. It was just very, very warm. Um, you know, you think about things like the word home. And, uh, you know, that could be a place, but it could also be an abstract concept. Again, at the risk of being completely precious. I think of it as, as a more of an abstract. You know, I've lived in houses, many, many houses, but very few have I, cons- have I considered them home. And uh, when I think of the word home, my, my feeble mind pops me right back to that afternoon, walking toward that, that house that's lit up, and there's warmth, like, emanating from it, and, uh, and I could afford all my comics. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, that was... That was home, and it still is home, kinda. And that's why I wanted to discuss this book today. Now, considering the fact that Reggie and I already discussed this book uh, during uh, the Cosmic Treadmill, I'm only gonna give a little bit of a <laughs> a little bit of a walkthrough on this here. Uh, you know, we open up. Actually, I should open with the credits. Uh, <laughs> this is a. Uh, Superman, The Man of Steel, number 18, December 1992, cover date, Doomsday, part one, story, Louise Simonson, pencils, John Bogdanov, inker, Dennis Jonke, letterer, Bill Oakley, colorist, Glenn Whitmore, assistant editor, Jennifer Frank, editor, Mike Carlin, of course, Jerry and Joe created the the, the Superman, and uh, the cover price was $1.25. Now, we open the issue with Doomsday breaking out of containment, if you recall, the month prior, uh, there were a lot of very valuable fists punching through the containment. And that reminds me of another thing, you know. Uh, we were all kind of trained to think this issue was the first appearance of Doomsday. And then Wizard decided it was actually Man of Steel number 17 because we see his fist. Uh, <laughs> it reminds me of, uh, you know, the cameo of Wolverine in uh, Incredible Hulk 180, uh, where 181 is usually looked at as his first appearance or... Or the, the, the cameo of Cable in New Mutants 86, and then the first appearance is 87. So it's it's weird how how the first appearance of Doomsday actually went back to the cameo of the Fist. I guess it was just a maybe a book that Wizard had a lot of copies of in the uh, in the office that they wanted to pass off. But uh, you know, back to the back to our little synopsis here. Now, throughout this issue, we're treated to scenes of Doomsday's rampage, including crushing a tiny bird in his hand and destroying a tree with a punch. He also demolishes a highway overpass and stops an 18-wheeler with his shoulder. But the actual issue here is really about the Underworlders. We meet a young boy, or we re-meet a young boy named Keith. He's trying to find his mother and get a message to Superman. Lois finds a note intended, to cl- intended for Clark, who was supposed to alert Superman, of course. And the note gives the location of the Underworlders. Lois leaves a message for Clark on his computer and naturally decides to go to the location on the note by herself. Now, before Clark can check his computer, there's a power outage. Superman is able to find Keith because Keith bought some uh, glow-in-the-dark spray paint that he promised not to spray everywhere, and he sprayed it everywhere. Uh, Keith points Superman's shield to... He paints Superman's shield on the ground and uh, talks to him, and he's guided to the tunnels below Metropolis, and... uh, He's told that a reporter lady is down there to boot. Superman arrives, he fights, and he beats up the Underworlders. And the issue closes with the Justice League's Oberon listening into a call on, on a state trooper's radio about a big monster who just flipped a big rig. With one hand tied behind his back, even. 
Oberon says this sounds like a job for the Justice League, and, uh, of course, we know where this is headed. Now, I gotta say, as important an issue as this is to me, I mean, it was my first Superman issue, it was the first part of this amazing arc, uh, I couldn't help but be a little bit disappointed with the first time I read this, uh, because I, I think I was expecting more Doomsday. I was expecting more lead up to the fight and not just, uh, you know, Doomsday lumbering across the countryside crushing birds, you know. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of the Underworlders. Uh, this, is, of course, is an Underworlder story. Not my cup of tea. Yeah, they remind me of the Morlocks from the X-Men, and I hate the Morlocks from the X-Men. They are some of the most boring characters, in my opinion. Now... Also, didn't not helping me is that I didn't have very much experience with Superman or DC. Really, uh, this might have been one of my very first DC books that I that I bought. Uh, I, that's not to say there weren't some, you know, scattered around the house. Uh, a lot of a lot of people in my age range uh, will tell you, you know, comics were everywhere, and uh, it means just that. You know, uh, you you just had comics. You don't know where they came from, but they were there. Uh, and anywhere you went, there were comics. Just the way things were. But uh, I did have such little experience with Superman that I didn't know who any of these characters were outside of, you know, Superman and Lois. And, of course, I knew about as much about Doomsday as everyone else did at this point. My first time through, I also had a problem with the art. Uh, (laughs) Judging by the amount of reader mail around this time, I I don't think that was just me. Uh, Bogdanov's art stood stood out as something different uh, from much of the superhero output at the time, and... uh, I guess I saw that as an indictment on, like, a lack of quality rather than it just being unique, which is a really uh, lame disservice for uh, Mr. Bogdanov because uh, I've, I've really grown to appreciate his art. Uh, I like I like how big he makes Superman look. He's larger than life here. Uh, it's like I know a lot of folks had problem with the Ed McGuinness take because, you know, how big and bulbous and bubbly he was, but I loved it because it... Uh, it made Superman look bigger than everything on the page, which is, I think, the way it should be. But, you know, I've, I've kind of, I guess in, in subsequent rereadings or reading it within context, I guess I kind of evolved here. Uh, I like that, I like the fact that we're dealing with the Underworld this year now because it doesn't feel like this was just, you know, you didn't just cut a slice in Superman and squeeze the death story in. You're actually weaving it into the overall story, the overall lore, where it doesn't stand out as something at first blush as being wildly different than what came before or what comes after. It's just another story arc. It's not self-contained. It's it, things are you know things stretch from it. You know, uh, where nowadays I think we'd get a twelve-part you know miniseries event book for this. Uh, that would take three years to come out, but uh, back here it was a you know just a, another weekly storyline uh, across the Superman books, which I love in retrospect. Now we would see Doomsday uh, a week later in Justice League America number sixty nine and Superman Volume Two seventy four, so uh, we don't have we don't have all that long to wait to actually see him in action, which is uh, which is pretty cool, and, and it's it's funny uh, you have. It's these things that I didn't like the first time that, I, on retrospect, I, I really do like. We have we have Doomsday walking across the countryside, right? Which I really didn't dig the first time. But now, 
seeing it, it's, you're not just, it's building him a different way, you know? It's building him, instead of just as a monster of the week or a villain of the week, he's, he's literally like a force of nature, you know? He's just, <laughs> everything in his path is, is up for grabs, you know? He could do whatever he wants to do. Uh, you know, he was in containment for who knows how long, you know, we didn't know at this point, and now it's just, he's free. And you gotta worry about all that good stuff. Now, uh, Louise Simonson. I, I've always had, I've always dug her art. I, or not her art, her writing. <laughs> I've always dug her writing. All the way back to New Mutants, Power Pack, stuff like that. Uh, she just has so, she brings so much heart with her. Uh, I'm reminded of, uh, there was that really, really bad animated uh, feature of the death of Superman back in I want to say 2007 2008-ish and the best part about that is a mini documentary about the death of Superman and uh, there's a bit with Louise Simonson in there where she literally gets choked up uh, talking about this story and that's just it just really it, it's hard to even get through because you can see the emotion you can see the heart uh, all these characters are they, they're just real the Lois and Clark relationship here is a lot of fun. Uh, just excellent stuff all the way around. What I do at the end of my blog post, if you've read them, is I, I usually give a recommendation. I'll say, you know, check this one out or don't check this one out. Or check this one out, but don't spend a lot for it. It's Man of Steel 18. I, <laughs> I, it feels weird to tell people to grab it because I would have to assume you already have. But, uh... If you haven't, you definitely should. Uh, the, the Death of Superman is a story I think everyone should read. And like I said, if you want to read along with us, you can check out those episodes of The Cosmic Treadmill. It's, uh, it's about six hours long, so it's a little bit of a time investment, but uh, we had a great time revisiting it, and I, I think uh, I think that comes across. Uh, I hope it comes across. I, I think a lot of folks will dig checking that out. You can find this in trade, you can find it digitally, you can find it every which way. And uh, I'd recommend you do so at uh, your earliest convenience if you haven't already. Well, there you have it. A uh, wildly self-indulgent look at the Man of Steel number 18. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to discuss this uh, or your Thanksgiving memories or be as sappy as I've been the past half hour, you could uh, reach out to us at weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. We've got a Patreon, patreon.com slash Reggie if you want to toss a few bucks into the till. Uh, well, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash CosmicTmill. Our show uh, is on Twitter at CosmicTmill. Reggie is on Twitter at ReggieReggie. I'm at Ace Comics. You can check out the archives at weirdcomicshistory.blogspot.com and also the site that this show is named after over at chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. Now, if you've got a book from the blog you'd like to hear me discuss... Definitely reach out and let me know. Or if you'd like to actually come on and discuss a book with me, let me know. We'll see what we can figure out. I was actually supposed to have a guest this week, but I just could not get my stuff together with the holiday. Uh, he will be on uh, next time. Uh, and uh, that, that'll actually do it for us. I uh, had a lot of fun visiting with you. Hope you uh, enjoyed it, too. Uh, so long for now. See ya. <laughs>